Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral. Character correction is so important because the magnitude of your destiny, your character must be in the place for the magnitude of your destiny. And the magnitude of your destiny is growing. Because you have been through many trials, many tribulations, and you've been hearing the word and you've endured in the word. You've been trained for many years. Some of you are ready to go. So many people in this ministry have been launched. And I'm so, I'm so thrilled because they're launched the right way. They're not launched the wrong way. They're still connected. And they're still part. It's so awesome. And they're doing what God called them to do. And the work is, it's just expanding. It's extending. That's our responsibility. And our mission is to see to it that you get to your destiny. And the doors open for your destiny. So if you're new here, don't worry about it. Just be faithful, steadfast, because God's going to open those doors of destiny for you. But it is absolutely critical that we understand that our destiny doesn't just happen. Nobody gets a free pass. Okay. Nobody gets a free pass to destiny. And so we must also understand that Elul is the time of the miraculous moments with destiny that bring us to the days of awe, which are the days of Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur. Or, and, and first of all, I want you to understand what Elul means in the Aramaic language, Elul, which is starting Saturday, which is the sixth month on the biblical calendar right after Elul is Rosh Hashanah. Elul 29, the next morning you're in Rosh Hashanah. Amen. And, um, Elul actually in the Aramaic language means to search. This is a month of searching. This is a month month of coming into perfection through character correction. And so we see that Elul is the time of making decisions for our destiny. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 29, because the search is so important. We have to search our hearts. We have to confront ourselves. We have to be willing to come into alignment with character refinement. We have to actually allow the Holy Spirit, uh, the power to, to help us confront ourselves. And as we look at the word of God from Jeremiah 29 verses 11 and 12, the Bible says, for I know the thoughts, this word thoughts is the word makshav in Hebrew, which also means plans. I know the, the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Continue in the context. Watch this search, how the search is connected to the plans of God. Say this with me. The search is connected to the plans of God. And notice what the Bible says. The Bible says in verse 12, then you shall call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me. And you shall seek me and you shall find me when you search for me with all of your heart. This Elul, 
this sixth month before Rosh Hashanah, the Spirit of God has been saying that the Lord desires that we would ask God this year for Rosh Hashanah to give us a perfect heart before God. If you really want to ask, how is my destiny going to be launched this year? How are the doors of destiny going to open? It's not just going to happen because somebody opens a door for you or because you get a breakthrough on the job. The doors of destiny are going to open for you when your heart becomes perfect before God. When God becomes everything to you, when you want nothing but Jesus, when he is your all in all, when he is everything that you seek. So this is why the Bible says, and when you seek me, you shall find me when you search for me. Say this with me, when I search. When you search for me with all of your heart. Hallelujah. And the Bible tells us, beloved saints, we see in Psalm 139. The Bible tells us in Psalm 39, Lord, hallelujah. So the Bible says, Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. God is going to search us and we're going to search for God. You have searched me. And you know me, you know everything about me. And this is what we need to do. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you have known me. You have known my down sitting and my uprising. Hallelujah. The Bible says you understand my thoughts afar off. This is the time for self-scrutiny. And this is the time for God to reveal to us our secret self. Because there are issues that God wants to deal with before the new year that have been blocking us. We do not, as Pastor Bonzi said, we do not want to go around the same mountain another year. We've come too far to be denied destiny now. You ought to tell somebody I've come too far to be denied destiny now. All right, so it's so very important that we understand that how, what it is when we come into alignment through character refinement. We're going to go just for a moment, and we're going to see uh, that it is possible to have our destinies compromised through our character. We are going to see that, that what God has prepared for us can actually be padlocked and put on hold. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I don't want any promises on pause. Hello, somebody. I want God to release the pause off the promise. I want to go in and possess the promised land. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. We're going to the book of Genesis tonight, to the 49th chapter. And we are looking at Genesis chapter 49 in God's word. Hallelujah. And we're going to look today at the character traits God uses and the character traits God refuses. Say this with me. There are character traits that God uses and character traits God refuses. And we're going to see that every person in the Bible who ever ascended to the highest pinnacle of power, the highest, what we might say, the supernatural summit of the success God ordained for them, the Bible will always give us a biblical resume. Okay, the resume is always given. We always see what qualified them for their destiny. Yes, 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 yes. There's no such thing as a free pass, not even if you're Isaac, not even the son of Abraham. He did not get a free pass. He had to go through some tests. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. 
All right, so, so we have to be willing to go through the proving process of destiny. God does not pass out free passes. All right, the promise is there. The anointing is there. The will of God is there. His predestined purpose is there. But you got to unlock those promises by having a character, a life uh, that has been formed in Christ that is equal with where you're going. Hello, somebody. Can I get a witness? I want you to know something. In this ministry, we don't want to raise up arrogant people. Okay, we don't want to raise up arrogant people that are self-sufficient depending on themselves. We want to raise up Christ-like individuals, not that we're comparing with anybody. We want to raise up people of great integrity. We want to raise up a people of kindness. We want to raise up a culture of kindness in this ministry, a culture of compassion, a culture of caring for one another, bearing one another's burdens, and so fulfilling the law of Christ. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, you're really important to me? Can you turn to your neighbor and say, I really love and, and just thank God for you? Can you say that? Come on, let's just give God the praise. All right. So we're going to see something now. We're going to see in Genesis chapter 49, we're going to see the difference between sons of Jacob and Israel. Uh, at Jacob's at Jacob's home going, this is his last will and testament. He is actually going to bless his sons. And as the, the braha, the blessing is going to go, there's going to be a transformation in these, these 12 men's lives. They are going to become the Shabbat team. They are going to have, they are going to go to the future destiny of what God ordained for each tribe in Israel to be. All right. So we're going to see that it is possible to miss your moment with destiny, but it doesn't mean that you lost it forever. You can get it back. I hope somebody hears what I'm talking about. If you made a few mistakes, don't worry about it. Just get it back. Just correct yourself. Touch your neighbor and say, just correct yourself. It's all it takes. Just correct yourself. Are you with me? If you are say amen. All right, we're looking here and we're seeing in uh, chapter 49, verse 1, the Bible says, and Jacob called unto his sons and said, gather yourselves together that I may tell you what will befall you in the last days. What does that mean? It doesn't mean I'm going to give you a revelation of end times. That's not what this means. It means that Jacob is looking at his sons and he has the ability through the Ruach HaKodesh, through the anointing, through the Holy Spirit to see who they are supposed to be that they are not yet. Hello, somebody. Isn't that awesome? That's what a braha is. A braha is something that comes to you and someone speaks it over you, something you're supposed to be, but you haven't got there yet. But the braha gives you the ability to get there. Are you hearing this? So when it's a really Holy Spirit Yes, inspired yes. braha and it uh -huh. comes to you, uh -huh. then that means that person has the ability through loving you, through seeing you, through knowing you, has the ability to see you outside of yourself into somebody that you're not yet, that you are going to become something that you haven't possessed yet that God ordained you to have. Yeah. 
and the braha is the connection to that point. So I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss my braha. I don't want to miss my blessing. I want what God's got for me. Somebody ought to say, I want that heavenly blessing on my Rosh Hashanah. Okay. Hallelujah. And this is why oftentimes we have those scrolls on Rosh Hashanah and Elul um, this time of year because they are about a hope that we believe God has given to us to give to his people. All right. And Jacob called and said uh, that I may tell you what shall befall you in your last days, in the last days, meaning who you are ultimately to become way down the line, down the generations who this tribe is going to become. All right, gather yourselves together and hear you, sons of Jacob, and hearken to Israel, your father. I want to explain because we are studying Torah, so I'm going to get a little detailed here. Um, there is a huge difference when the scripture uses the name Jacob and when the scripture uses the name Israel. Israel is the spiritual name that was given to Jacob by the angel when he was wrestling with the angel at the breaking of day at the river, uh, right in front of the river Jordan at the Ford Jabbok. He was wrestling with an angel till the breaking of day. And do you remember what happened? The angel was wrestling with Jacob and it appears from the text that the angel only was allowed to wrestle with him till the breaking of day. Angel had to let him go. But Jacob was holding on. And the angel said, let me go for day breaketh. Do I have any people here determined for destiny? Let me go for day breaketh. Some of us actually just release something too soon before we get our blessing. We're not willing to persevere, but Jacob said, uh-uh, I'm not letting you go till you bless me. What does that mean? Till you speak the blessing who I'm supposed to be. Till you bless me. Hallelujah. And what was that blessing? It was who he was going to become. Say the blessing is who I am becoming. Hallelujah. Say, so this is why it's so important. This is why it's so important that I don't mess up the miracle God's got for me. By messing it up with pride, with arrogance, unforgiveness, bitterness, strife, or any kind of lash and horror. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. All right. All right. So he said, I won't let you go till you bless me. And I want you, I, I'm just going to read it to you here so that you understand. I, I'm, I'm just only reading it for carefulness because this is such an important text. And he was left alone and there wrestled with him a man till the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh and his thigh was out of joint. And he said, let me go for day breaketh. And he said, the angel touched, the angel struck the hip of Jacob because he wanted to be let go. Hello. I said, hello. He's not going to let him go. He's not going to let him go. He's holding on. 
He's holding on. How long have you held on to the promises? How long have you held on to what God has promised you? How long have you wrestled till the breaking of day? But you see, day always has to break. It's called daybreak because something breaks at dawn. I hope somebody's hearing it. You ought to say something's about to break. Something's about to break. Hallelujah. 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 Now watch this. He said, let me go for daybreak. And then he said, I will not let you go except you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no more be called Jacob, but Israel. You see, this is who you are going to become. Do you understand? You are going to become Israel. Your name is no longer Jacob. It was not just about a destiny change. It was about a destiny completion. It's not about a name change. It's about a destiny. It's about a completion. Who he was supposed to be. He was not supposed to just be Jacob. He was supposed to be Israel. Do you understand? Teach us, Lord. Teach us. Hallelujah. Notice what the Bible says here. It says, for you, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince, you have power with God and with men and have prevailed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, beloved saints, I want you to understand when the Bible uses the name Israel in place of Jacob's name, it does this very deliberately in specific places. Notice the Bible doesn't just all of a sudden overnight change his name. And now every time you're quote, you're hearing uh, the, it's the activities of Jacob, it now says Israel. No, there are specific, very carefully calculated places in the text where the Bible changes the name from Jacob to Israel. And when Jacob's name is changed in the text, textually, from Jacob to Israel. This means that what is taking place is going to affect the nation in its future. It means that Jacob's descendants, that what is happening by the action of changing that name, it's going to affect Israel either in land or in seed. Something is going to affect the nation of Israel for its future. For example, when Jacob sent Joseph to Shechem, and he said, Joseph, and he said, Hanini, here am I. Hanini is the Rosh Hashanah word. Okay, Hanini is the Rosh Hashanah word. In 2018, at the Rosh Hashanah service, the Lord said, this is a Hanini year. Do you remember that? That the Lord said that this is a Hanini year. Do you know what that means? It means here am I. But it, it means more than that. Whenever God calls the name of an individual and they respond, here am I, Hanini, it means I'm ready. Before God gives you the assignment, God doesn't first have to give you the assignment and decide whether you're going to do it or not. You see, God, when he said Abraham, he didn't say, uh, yes, I'm here. What would you like? No, he said, Hanini. Meaning, I will do whatever you ask me to do before you tell me to do it. 
I'm not going to have to pray about it, seek your will on it, see whether it's convenient or see if it fits my schedule. Hanini, what are you asking, God? And the Lord said, take your son, after he said, Hanini, your only son who you love, and go into the land of Moriah and offer him there on one of the mountains that I will tell you of. Who else said Hanini? Hmm. Moses. He was there in the backside of the desert 40 years. Why was he in the desert? He was in the desert because he was fleeing from someone. He was taking refuge. Who was that? Pharaoh. And out of the burning bush, the Lord says, Moses. And he says, Hanini, I'm ready. And what does God tell him? You're going back to Egypt. And you're going to face Pharaoh. Okay. When God calls your name, you do not wait for God to tell you what you're going to do. You always respond. Here am I and I'm ready. Say this with me. I want to be ready. And this Rosh Hashanah to do whatever God asks. And so we see the time when Jacob called Joseph and he said, Joseph, and he said, Hanini, and he said, go to Shechem. He sent him to Shechem. But the Bible uses the name Israel, doesn't use the name Jacob, because it was of God that Joseph would be sold. It was all part of God's plan because Jacob is going to, Joseph is going to save the nation of Israel. So we see when this name Israel is used, it means it has to do with the future of the nation. Why are you saying that, Dr. Corral? So that you will understand Genesis 49. So let's go there. And we're looking in the next verse. The Bible says, gather yourselves together and hear you sons of Jacob and hearken to Israel, your father. He's going to give three of his sons. He's going to impart to three of his sons. The first son is going to be shown what he's supposed to be. But his character is going to prevent him. We never know from the text, just right there, the text doesn't say, well, Reuben departed and Reuben went and corrected his character. So that he could be what his father called him to be. No, it doesn't say that. The text is silent about it. You have to figure that one out by looking at the history. Did Reuben correct his character? The way you're going to know is what happened in the tribe of Reuben in the future? Because this is all about, I'm going to show you what's going to happen in the Akarith in the end. Meaning I'm going to show you ultimately what your purpose is and who your people are and why you've been put on this earth. Hello? Say, I want to know why I've been put on this earth. And I want to know who my people are. Hello, I said, your people may not be the people you think. God said to Abraham, get Leklekah, get thee out of thy father's house and from thy kid and to a land that I will show you. Hello, somebody. Are you with me if you are? Say amen. You ought to tell somebody your people may not be the people you think. I said your people may not be the people you think. 
Are you hearing it? Are you willing enough? Hello. So are you willing to depart if God tells you? Uh, we won't go there, but that's just a question, a little bit of food for thought. All right. So notice he is going to show his son who he is supposed to be and what the braha is for his life. Notice what it says. Uh, verse three, it says, Reuben, you're my firstborn. You are the excellent, you are the firstborn, my might, the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. You are to reflect you're supposed to be the one taking my place. That's who you are. And your people are going to be like that. Your descendants. Now, check it out. Were there any leaders in the Bible from the tribe of Reuben? Hmm. You can look from Genesis to Revelation. There's only one. You will not find any leaders from the tribe of Reuben. So what does that tell us? He didn't correct himself. Hello, somebody. I said he didn't correct himself. So self-correction not only affects you, but it affects the people you're supposed to affect. Hello, somebody, because you didn't make it to the place God ordained for you. So others are going to be affected because you were ordained to touch their lives. Watch this. Unstable as water, you will not excel because you went up to your father's bed and defiled it. You went up to my couch. All he had to do was correct his behavior. That's all he had to do. This is not a sentence. This does not mean you're cursed on your father's deathbed. God forbid. He's his son, his firstborn son. He's saying, I cannot unite the name of Israel to that. I cannot unite what Abraham has stood for to that behavior. But if you correct it, that's who you are. Hmm. Look at the next one. Simeon and Levi are brethren. Obviously, we know they're brethren. They're very close brethren. They're sons of Leah. They're just a few months apart. It's very easy. Simeon and Levi are brethren. Notice what it says. Instruments of cruelty in their habitations. That means instruments, meaning not only were they going to be used in cruel action, but instruments of cruelty have to do, remember what Paul said in Romans, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter six to yield your members as instruments of righteousness. Okay, so the instruments also are faculties. Your faculties are instruments of cruelty. You think cruel. You don't think with mercy, you think with revenge. And your revenge is very cruel. Wow. 
You plan and you connive with cruelty. Instruments of cruelty in their habitation. Oh, my soul. Watch this. Because at, he's, at the Braha, he's imparting his very soul. He's imparting the very heart of himself to his sons. It's not an emotional thing. It's a spiritual thing. Oh, my soul, come not to their secret and unto their assembly, my honor, be you not united. For in their anger, they slew a man and in self-will, they dig down a wall. Watch this. Self-will is going to block it. Say it with me. Self-will can block it. Say this with me. Anger. Unresolved anger issues. Say this with me. They come out in many different ways. Anger comes out in resentment. Anger comes out in criticism. So you might not have a problem with wrath, but you might be a very critical person. Nobody can do anything right. Hello? Sometimes anger comes out in the form of self-righteousness. Self-righteous people are very angry. Do you know why? Because they are using that self-righteousness to somehow try to ease their issues. So they judge everyone. It's a form of anger. A form of anger of not, of not being able to just not revenge. That's exactly basically what it is. And so we see self in their self-will, this is not acceptable. In their anger, which is anger comes in many different ways. Anger can come in the form of criticism. Anger can come in the form of being negative. Have you ever met negative people? Negative people are usually very angry. Nothing is ever going to go right. Everything's wrong. And everything's wrong with everyone. Hello, I said everything's wrong with everyone. Okay, so so here we have um, self-will, we have anger, we have, it was fierce. And their wrath, verse 7, cur, uh, let's go back up to verse 6. In their self-will, they dig down a wall, verse 7. Cursed be their anger, for it was fierce. And the Bible says, and their wrath, for it was cruel. For I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Hmm. Doesn't tell us anything about what happened, does it? Doesn't tell us, did they correct or did they not correct? Well, let's just see if they corrected. How many of you want to see if they corrected or not? Okay. What happens when you correct? See, it's not so much about walking perfected as it is walking corrected. By that I mean, God doesn't expect you to always be perfect. There are those of us who are going to fall. There are those of us who are going to fall short. There are those of us who are human and we're weak. So God isn't just saying you've got to be perfect all the time. He's not talking about correct the, uh, the, the perfection in every single thing that you do. We become addicts to be perfect. All right. But here's what the Bible says. Um, we see that they both got the same. They both had the same words spoken to them at the same time. Okay. So we got to do a little evaluation, don't we? Okay. I want you for homework to go and look in the Bible and see, was there ever a leader, a prophet, a king, 
anybody, just a, a prince in the tribe? Was there ever anyone in the tribe of Simeon that left a legacy for Israel? Was there someone who was a hero? Was there someone who was a prophet? Was there someone who encouraged another person? Was there someone who did an act of kindness? Was there someone who did anything from Simeon's tribe? The answer is not one. And as a matter of fact, hundreds of years later, when Moses was blessing the Shabbat team before the 40 years in the wilderness was over, every tribe got a blessing except Simeon. He didn't correct himself. But on the other hand, just the opposite. Oh, my goodness. What does God do when someone takes ownership? What does God do when someone says, I'm going to correct myself? How do we know Levy corrected? How do we know that Levy fixed the problem? How do we know that immediately after his father spoke to him that he went out and he did something about this cruelty, this anger, this self-will and breaking down a wall? How many of you know that if you just take a little bit of ownership, God will come back with blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing? Do you know how we know he corrected? Because the book of Exodus does something very unusual. Go to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2 in the Bible is going to give us the credentials of Moses' calling. The Bible is going to introduce to us the family of Moses, but not going to tell us names. Only going to tell us the tribe. The Bible is going to withhold the names of Moses' mother, Moses' father, even Moses' sister till later. Why? Because they're all from the tribe of Levi. And the Bible wants to just accentuate Levi, Levi, Levi. We are going to see there went a man from the house of Levi who took to wife a daughter of Levi. You've got two people from Levi's family that are going to produce between them. They're going to have a son and he's going to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Egyptians. Hmm. going to have another son his name is Aaron he's going to be a priest and he's going to have all the priests as his descendants there's going to be a daughter and her name is Miriam and she's going to be the prophetess in Israel we're not talking a little bit of a braha we're talking about activating double for your shame because you took ownership this is the way God responds to character correction this is the way God responds when we take ownership when we are willing to deal with our stuff okay Let's look at this. Notice the next one. The next one is Judah. Oh, wow. Woo! Look what God's going to do. He's the first one who doesn't have issues in the, in the blessing. He's going to get who he's supposed to be down the future. Judah doesn't know that he's supposed to be king. Judah doesn't know that the scepter is not going to depart from Judah. He has no idea. Notice, Judah, you are he who your brethren will praise, and the hat, your hand, shall be in the neck of your enemies. Your father's children will bow down before you. Look at this. 
Judah is a lion's whelp. Notice, from the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion, as an old lion who will rouse him up. For the scepter will not depart from Judah, and nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and until the gathering of his people be. Do you hear? Do you see this? Okay, so does this mean that Judah was the perfect son? Let's look at Judah for a minute, shall we? This is LL. Should we? Do we really want to see the truth, or do we just kind of want to candy coat and say, "Wow, Judah's so lucky"? Wow, I wish I was Judah. Let's go to Genesis thirty-eight. Let's just let's just t tell it like it is, okay? Judah made some mega mistakes. God isn't looking for perfect people. God is looking for character traits, mostly admitting. Mostly taking ownership. This is something God says. Whew. This person admits and corrects. Yeah. I'm going to bless. There's nothing I can, I'm going to withhold from them. Yes. Not going to withhold any good thing. Amen. Notice. Genesis chapter 38. When you have it, say Amen. Okay, we're going to, I, I want us to read it from the beginning from when Judah went down. Bible says at that time, Judah went down from his brethren and turned into a certain Adulamite whose name was Hera. Now, first of all, the Bible says Judah went down from his brethren. What's going on here? He separated. He separated from the family. He took off. He couldn't handle it. He was, he, was, he was overwhelmed with what he did, and he was overwhelmed with what they did. See, he's the fourth-born son. He doesn't have any clout. He, he didn't have clout compared to Levi and Simeon and Reuben. Reuben was the firstborn. He should have, he should have handled the whole thing, but he didn't. When Joseph was thrown into the pit, the Reuben, the leader, had the ability as the head of the firstborn to say, you all are going to stop this. You're going to stop this, and I'm making a demand right now. You are not going to kill your brother. Go ahead, do whatever, but you're not going to kill him. And we're going to turn him back over to our father. You are not going to do this evil thing in the eyes of God. But he didn't. He took off. He went away and left Joseph in the pit. Is that leadership quality? Abandoning responsibility. Does that make, do you get a free pass because you're the firstborn of Jacob and yet you abandon responsibility? What is the Bible teaching us about not abandoning our post, not abandoning responsibility? If you're faithful in the little things, you will be ruler over many things. He abandoned the whole thing. He didn't want to deal with it. He just couldn't have enough strength to tell his brothers. And so Reuben left and Simeon and Levi were instruments of cruelty. They had already, J Jacob, when he blessed them, did not know what they did to Joseph. 
He is referring to what happened at Shechem when those two brethren orchestrated the murders, the mass murders of the Shechemites because they violated their sister. And so they, they brutally murdered the whole entire village. That's what he's referring to. He's not referring to anything with Joseph because he doesn't know. Because Joseph never told him. So what is going on here? We are seeing that if you remember in the sale of Joseph, that let's just look and see what, what, what Judah says. Because the, boy, the, the brethren want to kill him. And the Bible says, and it came to pass in verse 23 that when Joseph was come to his brethren, they stripped him of his coat, the coat of many colors that was upon him. And they took him and they cast him into a pit and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. And when they sat down to eat bread that they lifted up their eyes and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh and carrying it down to Egypt. And Judas said to his brethren, what profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Another other words he's trying to stop the murders because he's he's number 4 in the birth order he doesn't have clout in the family so he's saying what profit is there if um if we just allow our brother if we murder our brother let's make some money off of him he didn't mean it but he's trying to reason with the madness and insanity of murdering their own brother do you all understand this and so he has no other alternative. And so he says, what profit is, in, is there in this? And he said, come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let, and let not our hand be upon him because he's our brother and our flesh. And they were content. Then there passed by the Midianites and merchant men and they drew up Joseph and lifted him up out of the pit and they sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver and they brought Joseph down to Egypt. Now Reuben returned from the pit and the rest is history. And what they did was they took the coat of many colors. They lied to their father. They said, "We who uh, whether this is your son's coat, you better recognize it if it's his or not. They didn't say what happened. They didn't, they didn't lie in that respect to say we saw him getting eaten alive by a beast, but they lied in the sense that they made a pretense. They made something look like something that it was not. And they made Jacob believe that Joseph was devoured by a wild beast. And so Judah could not handle it anymore. He could not handle the deception of his brothers and he could not live with himself for selling his brother to the Ishmaelites because he had no other alternative. So he breaks away and he goes with his friend who is, um, who is Yira, this Adulamite. And the concept here in Genesis 38 is that the text is going to use this word Adulamite several times when it doesn't need to use it. We're going to see a Dulamite used in verse 1. We're going to see a Dulamite used in verse 12. And we're going to see a Dulamite used in verse 20. And we're going to see, dear people of God, that the times that the Adulamite is used, it doesn't even need to be used. So that we see, beloved saints, first of all, we're going to see, the Bible says, 
um, the Bible tells us that this Adulamite, the, the name, the word Adulamite is taken from the Hebrew word Adlemi. Can you say that with me? Adlemi. And Ad is the beginning, it's the prefix, and Lamy is the suffix, and it actually means to acknowledge, to acknowledge. So the Torah is going out of its way over and over again to continually repeat this name, um, Yira, the Adulamite. We don't need to know he's the Adulamite. We don't need to know that he's with Yira. All he needs to say is he is with his friend or he is with uh, Yira. But the Torah keeps continuing to repeat that he is with this person whose name is the Adulamite. Why? Because the Bible is showing us something about Judah, something about a character trait that God delights in. There is something about a character trait that is worthy of leadership that the scepter will not depart from him. And notice it is not how strong he is. Notice it is not about his intelligence and his ability to make a decision under pressure. No, that really is not what God is saying. That is a development of character, but that is not a basic foundational principle of character. You see, what is a real basic foundational principle of character that God is going to use for leadership? Someone who will admit Maybe you didn't hear me right. I said someone who will admit. You see, in the Hebrew language, the word Judah is taken from the Hebrew word moda, which means to admit. And so we are seeing that Judah is going to admit. And how does he admit? He admits in the matter with Tamar. And he makes a public confession. He says, notice that she was brought forth. Tamar was brought forth and she should have been burnt at the stake because of her father's, her father-in-law's request. But when she came forth, she sent forth to her father-in-law saying, whose are these? And she gave him his staff, his signet and his ring. And Judah acknowledged them and said, she has been more righteous than I because I gave her not to Shelah. Meaning um, she should have been, she was first given to his firstborn son who was heir and heir died because he was wicked before the Lord. Then um, he gave her to his second son whose name was Onan. And he was also wicked and the Lord slew him. So he didn't want to give Shayla to her. And so he should have because she was supposed to, her destiny was to bring forth the seed from Judah to be the future Messiah. You see, and, and that didn't happen. And so he admitted his wrongdoing. Are you with me? He admitted publicly what he did. And so as a result of that public admission, that is one of the reasons he is chosen to be king. Because a leader has to be able to to look and to say, you know what? I missed it. It's my fault. I'm going to take the responsibility here. I'm going to take the hit. I'm going to take the hit. I was in charge here and I didn't handle it right. Hello, are you with me? Let me share with you what else he is chosen for. He is chosen because 
When it is time for Israel to release Benjamin to go down to Egypt so that the whole nation will be saved. Jacob isn't about to release Benjamin. And so Judah makes a promise to his father, knowing that it's very possible he will be a captive if this doesn't go right. He said, if I will not bring him back to you, then let me bear the blame before you forever. See, someone who's taken the ownership, someone who acknowledges, but also someone who takes the responsibility. And this is why Judah received the scepter. Are you hearing this? The Bible is showing us character traits that God uses and character traits that God refuses. So what are we learning out of this? Number one, we're learning that no matter what we've done, if we just admit it to God, notice what God did to Levi, that he gave Levi descendants and he what he was supposed to be, he became. Notice what happened to Simeon. He did nothing with his mistake. He did not correct it. And as a result, he lost his destiny. Notice what happened to Reuben. Reuben was not man en uh, enough to face up to where he missed the mark. And so as a result, he lost what God had ordained for him. But Judah, though he made more mistakes than any one of those brethren, he uh, maybe not the murders, but he made many mistakes. He was not perfect. By any means. But admitting is going to be manifested in his descendant. Who's his descendant? King David. And admitting is going to go to a whole new level, okay? Because he's going to write Psalm 51. And he's going to write Psalm 32. I acknowledged my transgression before you. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. Tonight's pre-LL service is about who you're supposed to be. Who are you supposed to be? What is your call? Where is God going to take you? It's not about being perfect and never making a mistake. It's about embracing the character traits that God uses and working on and rejecting the character traits God refuses. Stand to your feet. Oh, Jesus. She cut out a de costaca. She cut a de kestokoraba. Shingala da katosh takaraba ketida. We want to be who we don't even know who we are to be. When Abraham obeyed God, when God said, Leklaka, Leklaka, get out of there. Leave your country, leave your kin and your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. In doing God's will, he had no idea. I will make of you a great nation. Who are you, Abraham? 
I'm the father of a great nation. Did he know that earlier? No, he did not. And in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. That's who you're supposed to be. See, we have this little idea of ourselves as just shrink, shrink, shrink to nothingness. Of course, we know we're nothing. But it does not mean to hate yourself. It does not mean to be down on yourself or feel that you're nothing because you must understand that we know we're nothing. And Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. So in ourselves, we know we're nothing in that respect. But in the respect of who God wants us to be, there is a great destiny. So much greater than you could ever ask or think. Did Judah ever know that his descendants were going to be kings? Did Judah ever know that the Messiah is going to sit on his throne? And that Judah was the progenitor of that tribe. He did not miss his moment with destiny because he admitted. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Levi, of course, admitted because the clashing contrast between the two. Two in the same house, two given the same words, two have the same father, two hear the same word. One responds and one does not. One chooses to repent and the other chooses to hold on forever to his issues. Never going to let it go. The bitterness and resentment and hate remained in Simeon forever. And his descendants missed out on the Braha. They missed out on the Braha because he missed it. It's not worth it. Because the people you're supposed to affect need your life you are important you have something to contribute to the plan of God without you God's plan cannot be complete you are very necessary for the work of God to go forward you are so important to God raise those hands Lord show us who we are supposed to be Show us who we are called to be. Show us who we have been called to be. Show us our highest purpose. Show us where we are going. Show us, Lord God, where you are bringing us. Show us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask that this year, Strongholds would break off. Curses would break off. Bondages would break off. Sickness would break off. Come in the middle here, honey. The Lord is saying he's going to give you, Eva, the anointing of an intercessor like never before to pray for your sister. It's heavenly. It's heavenly. Right, right, right here, Matty. Matty, you are so, so compassionate, so loving, so kind. So weary. And God is telling you that he is with you. Your kindness is going to be rewarded. That's what I hear God saying. Your kindness is going to be rewarded. I hear God saying, your kindness. 
goodness is going to be rewarded. Oh, God, we praise you. Mama Claire, come over here. Just pray in the spirit, saints. Pray in the spirit. Oh, Mama Claire. Oh, Mama Claire. Precious Mama Claire. God's going to just take care of you, Mama Claire. You never have to worry. You never have to worry. You're under the shelter of the Most High. Psalm 91 is your psalm. And the Lord says that he's covered you with his wings. Hallelujah. And under his wings, you're going to truly trust. Hallelujah. You will be delivered from every snare and every wicked thing the enemy has plotted against you. And Lord, we give you praise and we give you glory. Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny. We invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. That's HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.